2: I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to The Tom Sumner Show.
6: Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank God it's Friday. And uh, we got a good one in store. As, uh, as always, uh, during the 11 o'clock hour, we turn the spotlight on uh, um, arts and entertainment. It's going to be a little indirect today because we have the uh, wife of... Um, the star of uh, Murdoch Mysteries, a show that's been running for 14 seasons, uh, Yannick Bisson. He is uh, well. The show's available on Ovation and Hulu, and uh, and I've seen it quite a bit. It's it's kind of fun. It's uh, oh, if you like Sherlock Holmes, you'd like uh, Murdoch Mysteries for sure. But his wife, Chantelle, is an author celebrity wife of course uh, mom and marina owner she's the author of a new book we're going to talk about called raising your kids without losing your cool she has another book coming out uh, next month raising your teens without losing your cool but we're going to find out a little bit about uh, her life bouncing back and forth from uh from the lake and the, the marina that she owns and um Toronto and in Los Angeles, and parenting at the same time. Um, but we'll uh, we'll talk with Chantel Bisson coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour. Before that, we're going to talk with um, uh, uh, an author whose uh, Ray Studdavent is his name, and. Uh, it's His book is called Black Sheep, Story of Abandonment, Belonging, Racism, and Redemption. He's biracial, and he has some interesting perspectives on uh, how complicated that can be. But we're going to start out talking about, um, well, we're going to talk, coming up in just a couple of minutes, we're going to talk with uh, the authors of a new book called Driving While Brown, Sheriff Joe Arpaio versus the Latino Resistance, with a couple of... Uh, journalists slash authors, Terry Green Sterling. Um, and she's uh, affiliated faculty and writer in residence at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism at Arizona State University and editor-at-large for the Arizona Center of Investigative Reporting. And uh, this is not her first book, but um, it's uh, an interesting book to be sure given uh, all the headlines that that we've seen and uh, she's joined um she'll be joined with me uh by phone here coming up as i said in just a just a couple of minutes uh, by uh jude jude jaffe block who is uh at the Associated Press where she's been since 2020 as a reporter and editor working in both English and Spanish. Before that she uh, reported on immigration for more than a decade for NPR and The Guardian. So should be uh, a very interesting conversation. I'm sure that you will uh, enjoy it. Um, In the meantime, I'm gonna say that uh, I um, got my my second dose of the Pfizer vaccine on wednesday and uh so far so good no adverse reactions Um, my friend sandy was down and out for about three days after her second shot but i uh except for a little soreness at the injection point i'm uh, i'm doing okay so um i'm hoping that we can all get back together in person um, as soon as possible and to make that soon as possible sooner Um, We need to all get those shots in our arms and uh, continue to practice um, responsible public health by keeping up our uh, social distancing and continuing to wear masks. Anyway, we'll be right back. welcome back everybody this is the Tom Sumner program and uh, a new book tackles uh, some of the uh, tensions of um, disputes between uh, latinos and and law enforcement um on the south you know the, on the south border i guess for lack of a better way to put it but a new book addresses that it's called driving while brown Sheriff Joe Arpaio versus the Latino Resistance. And it's written by a couple of journalists, one who's an affiliated faculty and um, writer in residence at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism at Arizona State University and editor-at-large for the Arizona Center of Investigative Reporting. And um, the other joined the Associated Press in 2020 as a reporter and editor working in both English and Spanish on the news verification team. Before that, she reported on immigration for more than a decade for outlets that include NPR and The Guardian. And they are, respectively, Terry Green Sterling and Jude Jaffe Block, and they join me by phone. Terry, Jude, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank Terry, you. Terry I, I have to um, admit I'm a, I'm a little envious that you're a writer-in-residence at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism. I just learned that there was a Walter Cronkite School of Journalism uh. at Ari- Arizona State University. Um, I, I think I talked to someone who graduated from there just recently, and I was not aware of it. I Was Walter Cronkite from Arizona?
0: No, actually, Walter Cronkite was not from Arizona, but he had a long uh, association with an Arizona uh, CBS channel, and um, he was very happy to lend his name to this school of journalism, the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism, and um, we carry his name with pride. It's an excellent journalism school.
6: Well, and that's that's what I've heard, and, and that's what I would expect. Because that um, the Walter Cronkite brand is, um, well, it's gold. Anyway, um, but let's let's talk about uh, <laughs> something that maybe isn't quite so lofty. <laughs> Sheriff Joe Arpaio, um, he was uh, the first person that then President Donald Trump pardoned. He was Maricopa County Sheriff Joe Arpaio, and and lots of people heard a lot about him. When you say Sheriff Joe Arpaio, and I'm not sure who wants to jump in first on this, versus the Latino resistance, is there a Latino resistance, an organized resistance?
1: Well, that's what our book chronicles. Um, really what we see in Arizona is the emergence of two movements in the early years of the 2000s. So there's the movement that wants to restrict and punish unauthorized immigrants in Arizona. And there's then there's, in response to that, a movement that wants to champion immigrant rights and the rights of Latino U.S. citizens and, and other Latinos in the state. And so this book, explains the rise of these two movements and how they clash over time.
6: Is uh, Joe Arpaio, um, is he indicative of law enforcement in Arizona and, and maybe other leadership, uh, elected officials and so on?
0: Well, uh, that's a really interesting question. Um, he certainly... Uh, there certainly isn't um, anyone like Joe Arpaio, um, and on the American stage, or when he was on the American stage, um, he ramped up immigration enforcement to a level not seen before by local law enforcement. And um, his his he, w- he was sheriff of Maricopa County for twenty four years and um pivoted to immigration enforcement around 2007 uh and 2006 when he saw that it was um it was it was getting popular among his constituents um his constituents uh tend to be conservative, often older white folks, uh, many of whom came to Arizona um, to retire or for careers and didn't weren't really familiar with um, the Mexican American culture and the borderlands culture. And um, when we saw a bit of an uptick in unauthorized immigration, um, they began to uh they began to worry and be upset, and began uh, pressuring their political leaders for uh, for enforcement. And Arpaio, who uh, is a incredibly smart politician, uh, eventually pivoted towards immigration enforcement. Many say to please his constituency.
6: Now, what strikes me as odd is, of course, he had a long career as sheriff, certainly, but I'm kind of an old timer and and I go back well before before your time, I'm sure both of you um I remember a time where traveling through Arizona and New Mexico, the thing that was striking about it to visitors and tourists was this sense that there was um a, a, a great and calm diverse population there were europeans but but there were also native americans there were latinos and and uh, i guess i should say there were latin people but there was this this sense that the the culture in those states was a blend of those things and that people seemed to be getting along fine and then all of a sudden it it became this this really embattled kind of area do you have any sense for when that corner was turned
0: i think that um what you're describing uh is is kind of a borderlands culture in which um mexican and mexican americans and and others um lived lived harmoniously on the border on the arizona mexico border there was a lot of intermarriage and um the the borderlands were their own biome um but i do think that uh for for many years before that there was a lot of uh Prejudice and civil rights violations against both uh, our indigenous population and our uh, Mexican American and Mexican immigrant population. So it was a, it was probably hidden um, to the eyes of visitors, but it certainly did exist has existed for a long time. Um, again, the borderlands, just you know, the the cities that. The border towns were very different. They were very, um, they were very comfortably diverse. Not so much in other parts of Arizona. Uh,
6: um, w- was that Terry? Yes. Okay, Jude. Then I'm going to ask you this because you've been a little bit quiet. Um, <laughs>
1: Well, Terry, we should note Terry's family um, has been in Arizona quite some time, and, um, and she's lived her entire life and written about Arizona. Uh, so she's the. I, I've been in Arizona since 2012, but um, no one knows it better than Terry.
6: More with journalists and co-authors of Driving While Brown, Terry Green Sterling and Jude Jaffe Block, straight ahead.
3: Hello out there everybody, it's me, Tigger, T-I-double-G-U-R, that spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner's program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs>
6: you, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com.
5: This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More
6: with journalists and co-authors of Driving While Brown, Terry Green Sterling, and Jude Jaffe Block. Straight ahead. Well, but, but Jude, the, the question I want to ask is how the two of you crossed paths and ended up writing a book together.
1: Well, we were both covering um, the Melendres lawsuit, which was a racial profiling lawsuit filed against Sheriff Joe Arpaio. And the, the history of that lawsuit is um, elaborated on in the book. And it's really um, Latino motorist drivers and passengers wound up filing this class action lawsuit that said that Arpaio's vigorous immigration enforcement tactics had led to Latino drivers and passengers being unfairly targeted and held longer to be questioned um, in an attempt to find out if they might be undocumented. And um, at the time, the sheriff's office was um, have, would do these traffic stops and sweeps of neighborhoods and would arrest undocumented immigrants pulled over for things like broken taillights and cracked windshields. So um, this class action lawsuit uh, went to trial in in July of 2012 and at the time it it was really it kind of really captured the zeitgeist of what was happening in Arizona at that time because Arizona was fighting over Senate bill 1070 and um, and uh, these questions of what local law enforcement could and couldn't do on immigration enforcement um, was really central to the Arizona political conversation at the time and this trial happened in July of 2012, and I was there covering it for public radio, and uh, Terry was there covering it for magazines, and we were just both fascinated by this case, and the case kept going and, and took surprising turns, and at a certain point, we felt like someone needed to write a book about it, and um, as we were exploring that topic, um, uh, we decided to team up and, and write this book. And I'm going to pause there because terry's gotten disconnected
6: oh well terry can just call right back in
1: okay hold on let me tell her
6: okay well let me let me follow through on on that and or follow up as they say um in the title of the book it's driving while brown is that a fairly common saying in the southwest
1: Well, in the book, we document that there are people who felt like that's what was happening to them um, under Arpaio's immigration enforcement. And it's a phrase that comes up in trial testimony in that case, uh, the Melendras racial profiling case that people got on the stand and testified that they felt like they were were, um, pulled over for driving while brown. In the book, we also get into the fact that there were other cases before um, before Arpaio's time, dating back to the uh, 1970s and early 80s in Arizona, where farm workers, Mexican farm workers, had been targeted by local police in similar ways, and some of that case law from some of these earlier civil rights battles about this very question of of traffic stops that turn into immigration stops, uh, some of that case law from those earlier cases informed. Uh, what happened in the the case against Arpaio ultimately, and and were part of why the judge ruled that the the sheriff had to stop what he was doing.
6: And Jude, I just want to acknowledge that Terry's back with us. Hi, Terry. Hi
0: there. I'm back. Sorry about that. I got disconnected. <laughs> no worries.
6: No worries. We'll we'll keep rolling along. Jude did great, by the way, in your absence.
0: I'm sure she did. She's really good. <laughs>
6: Well, let me ask this because, you know, where I'm at in Michigan, in, in Flint, which is just north of Detroit, the, the common phrase is driving while black. And when I first saw the title of your book, Driving While Brown, it, it, it felt co-opted to me. That's why, I, and Terry, I was asking Jude, is that a common saying in that part of the country, driving while brown?
0: Uh, we we heard it a lot, yes. Um and one of one of the interesting things about about the class action lawsuit, um, in which uh Latino drivers and passengers in Maricopa County shoot, sued Sheriff Joe R. Pyle for discriminatory policing and racial profiling. One of the interesting things about that was that many um not many, but several uh indigenous people and Asian Americans also said that they had been profiled um, by the sheriff and stopped, but they did not have standing in the lawsuit. The lawsuit um, was uh, filed by by Latino um, passengers and drivers. So I think that um, just anecdotally, simply anecdotally, uh, There's a feeling among um, people of color, some people of color in Arizona that um, many, many people were stopped for driving while brown and they weren't just Latino.
6: And I'm not sure how to how to ask this or how to phrase this, because we see so much in the headlines about uh, um, shootings of young black men by police officers. What are the outcomes typically when Latino drivers are profiled and and stopped, and what happens then?
1: Well, we, we outline a, an example, um, well, a few examples, but um, one of the cases we talk about in the book, what had happened was that as a result of the lawsuit, um, a federal judge told, Um, the sheriff that he did not have authority to arrest immigrants who were not suspected of committing crimes. So if somebody is suspected of being an unauthorized immigrant without lawful status, that person could be arrested by a federal ICE agent, but um, a local police officer would not have cause to do that unless there was some suspicion that a crime had taken place. Um, the, The the idea of being in the country without lawful status—that's really a civil matter, not a criminal one. So the judge had told Arpaio he had to stop arresting immigrants just for as a result of their suspected status. Um, instead, what happened is that that order was never communicated to the the deputies, um, and so there these these kinds of immigration-themed. Uh, traffic stops and, and subsequent detentions continued. And we followed the case of, of one man who um, had been living in Maricopa County for a long time, had a family, had U.S. citizen children, had gone to work um, and was driving home late at night on a, on a dark road and, and was pulled over, He and his brother were pulled over for something as minor as the light bulb light on their license plate had gone out. And... As a result of that stop, the, the deputy uh, asked both uh, the driver and the passenger to show ID. Um, both showed Mexican passports. The driver was arrested um, and for driving without a license. The car was towed. The passenger was taken uh, by uh, sheriff's detention office staff to a border patrol station in the next county over and was told that he would be quickly deported across the border. Um, and so that was a result of being a passenger in a car on his way home. And this was the kind of enforcement that the judge had said should not be happening. Um, and so that is one of the reasons why Arpaio was found later in criminal contempt of court for not following the judge's orders and having those kinds of detentions continue.
6: Did, did this kind of activity um, by law enforcement predate the campaign and election of Donald Trump?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, the thing is, in Arizona, there is a long history of many law enforcement agencies coordinating with ICE. Um, Arpaio was doing it um, more exuberantly and more publicly uh, than other law enforcement agencies. Um, he would put out press releases letting everyone know how many Undocumented immigrants had been arrested during different operations. And, you know, other law enforcement agencies were not as public, but they were coordinating with federal agents. And so that coordination between local and federal um, immigration en- enforcement was something that Arizona was doing well before the Trump administration. In some ways, it was a model in certain ways for how what those partnerships could look like. It was certainly something that the Trump administration was interested in expanding. Um, and so, I mean, there is an irony here because our PIO's office was under court orders to curtail some tactics that, frankly, other law enforcement agencies were doing as well, but they just weren't, had not been instructed by a judge to stop. And it, it does reflect the fact that um, there's a lot of gray areas in our country about what the rules are um, what what even constitutes um lawful profiling is something that isn't as clear cut as you might expect um, and and the ways that police um, are allowed or aren't allowed to enforce immigration laws is really a patchwork depending on um, where you are and what kind of partnerships are in place
6: you know it's it's interesting because There's a a lot of confusion. Well, I don't want to say confusion. I want to say there's um, certainly a little bit of controversy with regard to uh, profiling racially or otherwise, um, because there are some people who think it shouldn't happen at all. And then there are others who acknowledge that it might be necessary for law enforcement to be effective. Um, is there any, any rationale for the kind of profiling that is done by law enforcement agencies in Arizona?
1: Well, I mean, I'll tell you an anecdote about how murky the, some of the case lies around this, which is that there was a Supreme Court decision back in, in the 70s. that th- it, was a, it came out of a Border Patrol case and it had to do with a border patrol stop of a car where the passengers were questioned about their immigration status by border patrol and the the result of that case was that the supreme court decided that a border patrol agent could not pull over a car and question the occupants just because they had mexican appearance that that could be one factor when determining who should be questioned, but it couldn't be the only one. And a lot of critics of this say that's really opened the door for, for that kind of profiling to happen by having it be allowed to even be one factor. What's interesting is that here in the Ninth Circuit where Arizona is, is uh, um, that the Ninth Circuit later ruled, well, that's an outdated decision. Here in the Ninth Circuit, we have very diverse populations. There are a lot of Latino U.S. citizens, a lot of Mexican Americans. Mexican appearance should not be part of the calculus as long as there's a significant Mexican population in the area. Um, And uh, as a result of that, that what happened later, um, is that um, ICE came and trained Sheriff Joe Arpaio's deputies during a period where they had a partnership. Part of that training was that ICE trained the sheriff's deputies that they could consider Mexican appearance as one factor when deciding what cars to pull over in question, um, or who to question about their immigration status after they'd already pulled a car over. So deputies were taught that by ICE, and it actually went contrary to what the Ninth Circuit had said on that issue, and that was one of the one of the findings that the judge had in this case.
6: Now you um, mentioned that that some of these. Uh Law enforcement agencies, sheriff's departments, and so on around the state of Arizona would round would round up Mexican-looking people, and if they found them to not be properly documented, that they were turning them in at uh, um, ICE facilities and so on
1: if that the rounding up uh,
6: yeah that's a poor choice was, of pretty, words.
1: was pretty yeah it was pretty unique to arpaio there were there were kind of day labor roundups that, that you could um, use to describe some of the tactics that arpaio used in maricopa county um, w- what i was referring to is that there is a history of other agencies um, after a traffic stop um, calling ICE to question to check the immigration status of whoever had been pulled over and, and potentially turn them over to ICE for deportation.
6: And did and, and where I was going with that Terry is how how did the the federal agents and agencies respond when local law enforcement delivered these people were they did they just look at it like a gift horse or um or were they encouraging them and it sounds like later they were, and I know that they were to some degree during the uh, trump administration
0: well yeah you, you you hit the nail on the head I mean I think that the response um, the response of federal agencies depended very much on the policies in the administration um, that was uh you know, in power at the time. And um, there, there were times um, when um, Arpaio, Arpaio's officers or his deputies uh, had to actually deliver um, undocumented immigrants um, to, to the Border Patrol or to the ICE stations because the ICE wouldn't come out and get them. And so again it's 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 almost it's it's a shudderingly uh awful whimsy that 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 plays through our immigration policies depending on the administration
6: in well, charge. And when you say depending on the administration was it dramatically different between Obama and Trump for example? Obama or, or were they in their own world just making up their own rules as they went along?
0: No, I don't think so. I think that you know there was policy from um from people at the top. Um the Obama poli- the Obama administration counterintuitively uh deported I think a record number of undocumented immigrants. And so things have been um pretty pretty rigorous in that area uh, for the past, well, ever since the Bush administration, really. That's when people started really complaining uh, about, there was a cycle of complaining about unauthorized immigration.
1: And that's when you see um, these local federal partnerships taking off of different ways in which people entering the criminal justice system could be turned over to ICE In sort of some kind of automatic fashion or partnership between the local jurisdiction and the federal jurisdiction so that starts with bush and then it um really escalates under obama and then there's a lot of pushback that happens under obama Um, and there are certain localities that decide that they don't want to be a part of that and who pull out of some of these partnerships Uh, many jurisdictions actually pointed to to what was happening in maricopa county as a reason for why they didn't want these kinds of partnerships in their localities and so that, um, we see the Obama administration start to shift how it's prioritizing deportations. Um, at, at a certain point, they, they say that they want to go after serious criminals. Um, and we can debate sort of how, how effective that pivot was, but they, they do shift course. And so, and then of course we know that Trump's goal was to ramp up again. Um, so, so it is, it is changed over time and there's been a lot of, Um, movement in part because of the ways that um, grassroots efforts have publicized the issue has also pushed the needle on it.
6: When you say that there were complaints about illegals where was that coming from?
0: Oh um, in in American history we have cycles of anti-immigrant animus um, there was a great cycle after World War I when we had so many people trying to come in from Europe. And, um, there was a, there was a hue and a cry among American citizens who did not want, um, immigrants to come to the United States for a number of reasons. And, um, this again, uh, this cycle surfaced again, um, Again, during the Bush administration, uh, when there was a you know uh, quite quite an uptick in unauthorized immigration, and um, it was alarming to many people, and there were also uh, there are still today uh, nonprofits in Washington D.C. that have a lot of money and argue vociferously for. Resp- Severely restricting immigration, and uh, those nonprofits uh, had, you know, they were, they had they were good with media, and they um, often um, circulated a lot of material about immigrants being dangerous. Immigrants committed crimes, um, and they they actually portrayed immigrants, in my view, in a false light. But um, it, it was enough to exercise a large number of the um, of the of the population in Arizona for sure
6: Jude you started out working uh, in Mexico before coming here um, what was your experience like moving from Mexico to the US
1: um, well I felt like um, there was just such an irony of how welcomed I felt in Mexico as an American uh, living there versus how I saw the people I covered who um, of Mexican descent and um, of Mexican origin. The, the some of the issues that they ran into in this country, um, and I think you know there was a period in Arizona where you know people would speak Spanish in the grocery store and um, have people come up to them and make nasty comments. To them, about that this is American, speak English, and um, and and so there's been there's been tensions around this issue of of kind of who belongs and and what sort of what the at the time the dominant culture in Maricopa County thought. should be the case of, of how people acted in this county and I, I think it's changed a lot um, over the last several years But I was going to ask like if the attention
6: if the attention Joe Arpaio got um, you know positively from some people like then President Donald Trump who applauded him um, and, and pardoned him and then there, there were all kinds of, of critics did that did his fame have any any impact on people rethinking their behaviors
0: um that's a really good question what what ultimately um the reason our pile voters stopped electing our pile was that um, that the Latino resistance in Arizona had gone after him, as I said, in the streets and on the courts and in the public square. And one of the things that they did um, was they pointed out how uh, lawsuits against Arpaio, um, how Arpaio and his immigration enforcement was costing Arizona a lot of money. And that turned a lot of mainstream voters away from him, voters who might uh, have Uh, different views on immigration than the Latino resistance but it certainly turned them away and the other thing was that um, conventions and um, you know people stopped coming to Arizona because of the bad press and Arpaio was part of the reason.
6: More with journalists and co-authors of Driving While Brown Terry Green Sterling and Jude Jaffe Block.
2: Where you never get harmed. A magical place
0: with magical charms. Indoors,
3: indoors, indoors. Take it away from the
4: and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash covidvaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.
6: and co-authors of Driving While Brown, Terry Green Sterling, and Jude Jaffe Block, straight ahead. One of the things that, you know, I thought was really self-defeating was this idea of justifying the way Latinos were being treated by saying there was a huge crime problem. You know, you you go into the the national media realm and, and step into the national spotlight and say, Arizona's crime-ridden. Of course, people are going to stay away.
0: Right, and that, that of course, you know, this is this is an old ploy that that goes all the way back, traces all the way back to the nineteen twenties. That cycle of immigration I was talking about, of the anti-immigrant rhetoric. Um, there, there, many people try to portray uh, immigrants as as criminals and as welfare leeches and so on and so forth. But uh, you know, research doesn't back that up. In fact, um the native born have have higher rates of crime, commit higher crime at higher rates than the than the immigrants. So um certainly that sounded very bad, although it wasn't true.
1: And what we see in Arizona is that um that the state legislature passed certain laws and then our Pio Enforced them in, in, um, in a very vigorous way, which meant that, that it actually criminalized people who were immigrants who, who wouldn't have been considered criminals in other jurisdictions. So, for example, um, a state law that made it a felony to use um, another ID, somebody, somebody's a social security number or even a, a made-up social, social security number to get a job, that's a felony um, in Arizona, and so could be, that person... Uh, could be prosecuted as a felon and somebody who is being driven in the state, um, being smuggled into the state. A state law was used to um, prosecute those people in the cars, the migrants, as felons for conspiring to smuggle themselves. And so you see a situation where there's sort of these unique situations where uh, undocumented immigrants can be easily turned into felons. And then those statistics can be used and weaponized to suggest that the undocumented population is overwhelmingly criminal,
6: and that was Jude.
1: And it, that was Jude. And yes. I just wanted to.
6: I'm, I'm getting on, to the on, point where uh, I'm starting to be able to tell your voices <laughs> apart. Yeah, go ahead, Terry. I
0: just wanted to. I just wanted to build on what Jude said. It um, these immigration felonies were um, they were put on the books in part because it would be easier for de- to deport people who'd been convicted of felonies. They were deport- so, so that's really important. So, um, I mean, imagine you're hit with a conspiring to smuggle yourself into Arizona, a felony, because you come into the United States and um, hitch a ride to Detroit and pass through Arizona. Um, but you you know so the whole point is these were felonies intended to deport people, and Arizona was passing an awful lot of a lot, awful lot of laws that made these immigration related felonies
6: now I've talked to some people who suggested that there's um a, a correlation between unemployment in the u s and anti immigration sentiment when unemployment is high um you know, we got to kick them all out. And if uh, unemployment goes down and people are basically working, um, the more the merrier.
0: Well, I mean, immigrants are scapegoated for anything, <laughs> and um, certainly that's one of the one of the um, charges against them that they that they take jobs. But in fact, it's been pointed out again and again that. Uh, many U.S. citizens don't want the jobs that immigrants take.
6: Yeah, I'm not always sure that's true, except for in agriculture.
0: Which is a huge employer of immigrants.
6: Oh, of course. Uh, You know, it's... Well, I mean,
0: there might be some caregiving jobs as well.
6: Oh, I'm sure there there are other... There are other kinds of jobs, but agriculture is is a big one. Um, you know, I'm I'm. This is such a fascinating conversation, and I'm enjoying both of you so much. But we're we're running a little long, so I think we better uh, wrap it up for now, and maybe we can get together and talk again. But I do want to talk about the book is Driving While Brown, Sheriff Joe Arpeo versus the Latino Resistance. And it's uh, written by Terry Green Sterling and Jude Joffe Block, both uh, journalists um, and and authors. Um, what's next? Do you have another project in the works?
0: Well, we're um, Jude's working for the AP, and I'm doing a little freelance writing. I think I think we're. Um, it's going to be a while before we write another book. Um, can I say one thing, though, please? Certainly. Um, this is a little bit of a promo, but we ha- please visit our websites, dot um, terrygreensterling.com, to attend a whole bunch of free events that we have, free COVID-free Zoom events where we talk about these issues and invite you to talk about them, too.
6: I, and I'm glad you added that, Terry. Um, you you kind of raced ahead of me there, though, because I always I always close with how people can find out more about you guys, um, you know, and your work, past, present, and future. And that's exactly how we do it: is give the websites. And so I appreciate you doing that, and I appreciate you spending this time with me.
1: Well, thank you
6: for having us. All right, take care. Tim, I- yeah. Bye-bye. No, no, there's time.
0: Okay, I just wanted to put one little um, plug in. Um, I'm going to give you my Twitter handle, at TG Sterling, and Jude, give yours, please.
1: I'm at Jude Jaffe Block.
6: Okay. Well, (laughs) Terry Green Sterling, Jude Jaffe Block, thanks so much for spending this time with me. I appreciate it, and keep up the good work.
0: Thank
6: you so much. Take care. Once again, uh, Tracy Green Sterling is affiliated uh, faculty and writer in residence at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism at Arizona State University and editor-at-large for the Arizona Center of Investigative Reporting. Jude Jaffe Block joined the Associated Press last year in 2020 as a reporter and editor working in both English and Spanish on the news verification team. Before that, she was reporting on immigration for more than a decade for outlets including NPR and The Guardian. And uh, I want to say thanks again to both of them. They co-wrote the book uh, Driving While Brown, Sheriff Joe Arpaio versus the Latino Resistance, And we'll be back with uh, more of the Tom Sumner program.
3: I remember the night Mom was pounding on her drums. She called me to her side. She said, son, you're growing up. Pretty soon you're going to drive. And Daddy heard the commotion and came... Came in tap dancing, playing his sixth string, and they both looked at me and they said, "Son, before you get behind the wheel of a car, you listen to me. If you're texting while you steer, don't try. If you've been drinking beer, don't try. If you're talking on the phone, don't try. If your ties are bald and it's starting to snow, don't try. If your foot can't reach the pedal, don't try. If you're wearing no apparel, don't." took an illegal prescription. Don't try. No one understands your diction. Don't try. Don't speed. Don't read. Don't breathe. Don't tweet. Don't shave. Don't rave. Don't wave. Don't eat. And don't put no makeup on or shave. You know you're not supposed to do that. Ugh. If you got to do something you're not supposed to do, you can go ahead and step on my blue suede shoes. Ah, go ahead and scuffle up. If you're driving with your knees, don't drive. If while you roll know you eat, don't drive. If you don't know how to drive, don't drive. If you've been psychedelicized, don't drive. If you're kissing on your boo, don't drive. If the boo's kissing on you, don't drive. If you've been drinking at a bar, don't drive. If there's guns in the car. much through your purse. Ugh. Don't do that. Huh. If you want something you're not supposed to do, you can go ahead and tug on my man Manchu. Go ahead, I don't care. Watch me tear. <laughs> if you feel like a nap, don't try. If there's a pooch on your lap, oh
0: it's dangerous
3: and creepy. If you're feeling really wired, Your license is expired Don't you drive around the town you got to do something you're not supposed to do You can go ahead and step on my bluesway Way shoes Scuff them up Then go ahead and pull on my flu Man shoe Yeah something. You want to do something that's good. If you're feeling like any of that stuff, don't drive! Make sure you got a clear head. Ow! Ugh. Suck it. show down here it's a Tom Sumner program don't you know go on go on get out of here